0: Firehouse Subs sales are on fire. Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief at Restaurant Business. And in this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Don Fox, the CEO of Firehouse Subs. Firehouse is a 1,200-unit chain based in Jacksonville, Florida. And Don reveals in his second appearance on the podcast that sales this summer have done quite well, better than they ever have. Don has some interesting theories as to why this is including the chain's shift in recent years to takeout, some new packaging, and some other factors that are definitely worth listening to. As is always the case with Don Fox, it's a really good discussion about the restaurant industry and different factors influencing sales and other issues at the moment. Please have a listen. Okay, I am here with Don Fox. Don, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, uh, thanks very much, Jonathan. Great to be with you.
0: So, uh, tell us how things are, are going. Um, I understand things have, have gone, uh, fairly well in the last few weeks. Tell us uh, how things are, are going over at Firehouse.
1: I, uh, the, the last three months now have been, uh, outstanding. And I know that's not the norm, uh, for many within the industry, but we've had 12 consecutive weeks of record sales for the brand in the, in the U S. Uh, and we're, uh, Expecting that to continue uh to continue for at least the foreseeable uh, future, even though there's certainly still a lot of unknowns out in front of us.
0: Mm-hmm. So let me th- so record sales, like is that total sales or on a same store basis?
1: Uh we have both. Uh mm-hmm. so on uh on in terms of our average unit volume. Mm-hmm. Uh for this time of year, uh of course and in fact we can probably talk some about seasonality. Normal seasonality is irrelevant, but yeah. uh if we look at for looking at the past twelve weeks, this time of year, uh, every week has been uh, historical highs uh, for those respective weeks. Wow! And you know, I think what is so unusual, what's been unusual, uh, is that really from the start of COVID, all semblances of normal seasonality have gone out of the wind, have gone mm-hmm. out the window. So uh, behavior during holidays, for example, completely upended. Uh, normally we'd be in a very predictable pattern. Uh, um, peak season is up to Memorial Day weekend and then normally you see some fall off as you go into the summer months. Of course that varies regionally, depending on vacation patterns, different parts of the country and so on. And you're generally in a little bit of a lower sales pace until you get to s- when school goes back in and usually then school brings about a distinct drop in sales for a few weeks and you gradually build your way back up into the holiday uh, season. All of those normal patterns were gone. So once we recovered our sales after about the first uh, eight weeks of the pandemic, uh, it is just been a steady run rate, which is somewhat predictable because none of the normal things that would change traffic patterns happen. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in a new group, uh, and we do watch for different trajectories with the virus or government actions and so on and expecting that maybe that will change some behavior but by and large people have stayed in their pattern uh right. that have been established now for three to four months
0: right yeah um yeah that's it's uh that's fascinating so um so it's it's like consumers have all almost sort of um just sort of developed new habits and um, and and they're sort of sticking to them a little bit.
1: Uh, cor- correct. You know, there's. Um, I think in the, in the world we operate, where we operate in now, one of the basic tenets that still exists is supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a supply of restaurants, and there's the demand of the consumer. And now those normal uh, proportions have totally changed. Uh, but if anything, uh, since mid March. Demand has only increased on the part of the consumer. Hmm. Uh, it's, it, I don't, in my assessment, it really hasn't taken a step backwards at all. It's maybe in recent weeks, maybe you could say that it's stalled and mm-hmm. some evidence and in data, industry data and so on, but it hasn't regressed. Right. Uh, and, but in the meantime, the, the supply of restaurants uh, is not rising to a level that meets the rising demand. Uh, so, and there aren't really good measurements on that that I've seen within terms of calibrating those two things and assessing supply and demand equations. But, uh, but so, so suffice it to say, I think that uh, the, the demand created by the consumer is rising at a at a higher rate mm-hmm. than the increase in open seats, or actually, I shouldn't say open seats, days, just open restaurants, yeah. and for those uh, for those brands, I believe that have uh, managed to, especially like us, we managed to stay open throughout the worst period. Uh, brands like ours are probably benefiting disproportionately because the consumers that are out there have settled into their habits. They know mm-hmm. who's open, who's not. I, I really have sympathy for any operator who had been closed for three or four months or more and now is trying to reopen and get into the mix yeah and now you now you've got to break into those patterns of behavior, make people aware that you're open uh a battle that for those that manage to stay open no matter what uh that is a battle they don't have to fight yeah and and then I think are a big uh a big advantage in the marketplace
0: yeah it's um yeah, I mean it it is I, yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to to open a restaurant um or to uh to try to reopen a restaurant uh at this particular stage. Um but uh I it's fascinating. So the thing that uh maybe surprises me a little bit, well it doesn't surprise. I mean it doesn't surprise me, but the the one thing that um you wouldn't have expected um is is to see you generating record sales. Um, I, I I certainly wouldn't have predicted that back in March that you would that when we would talk again in in, in July um, that you would say the fact that uh, you have record sales obviously that must have surprised you a little bit
1: uh, it It does because it sort of goes against conventional wisdom these days mm-hmm. because we uh, we only have about sixty drive through restaurants in our fire system of mm-hmm. about a lot of locations um and as everybody knows that's the q s r segment with drive throughs and that's what's sort of ruling the roost uh you know along with chicken concepts and pizza uh so we stand out as a bit bit of an exception in that regard mm-hmm. and so, i mean we got back to our same, achieving positive same store sales uh back in uh uh, early May, first to mm-hmm. May, wow. so quicker than I expected. Uh, now we went to curbside and we had some very innovative pop-up drive-throughs, but not in the type of numbers that would lead to those kind of increases. There yeah. were some enterprising, more exceptional franchisees that embarked upon uh, some of those some of those endeavors. But by and large, it was coming about because people were discovering that they were op- we were open uh using our off-premise platforms, and we were very fortunate that we ramped up our off-premise effort about three years ago, mm-hmm. really started gearing ourselves toward that change from packaging. I mean, that was looking back on it, I, I count my blessings every day that we changed our packaging from wrapping sandwiches to going to a carton yeah. uh, about three years ago. If we hadn't done that, we wouldn't be enjoying the success that we have today. Uh, really? the, the product just wasn't traveling as well and and so on. So that really has enabled us. But I think there's, I think there ended up being one uh, aspect of our brand that has proven, and I see this in some of the consumer data, looking at economic data and so on. And we've always been immensely involved with our communities, the mm-hmm. work of our Firehouse the Public Safety Foundation. And, and I think that is something that in, during this period of time, customers are really rewarding us for. There's a lot of underlying loyalty, uh, when people came, you know, came to realize after the first four or five weeks that we were open and operating. And then of course you have to deliver a great experience. Food's got to be great. All the, all the, all the basic elements have to mm-hmm. be there. But we combine that with the loyalty, uh, that's been built up over many years, uh, through our commitment to the community and first responders. I, I think that is, uh, something that Sometimes it's hard to measure, but uh, but I think is uh, of, uh, of, of great value to us. Right. And you know, our uh, of course, virtually I mean, the vast majority of our business has been in off premise all this time. Even as dining rooms reopened, uh, we just nudged above 10% of our business in the dining room uh, before the this latest uh, spike in COVID, and how it's now it's dropped down below. Ten percent, slightly. Hmm. Uh, so a very modest amount of it. So, so opening the dining room, opening up for dining room traffic was not what all of a sudden was the catalyst. It was all through what we were still doing in servicing the off premise mm-hmm. uh, business, and and that continues to be what uh, what drives it. Uh what is you say? Um, I, I mean, we're learning things every. Not just every week, every day we yeah. still continue to learn things about the consumer, how they use the brands, et cetera and uh and one thing that was a little bit of a surprise to me is that at its peak, we built our our digital orders through our rapid rescue our online ordering platform mm-hmm. to uh three three x that what it was Wow our delivery business uh almost entirely through third parties went up two and a half x. And they reached peaks uh in April. They they, they actually re- reached peaks in, in actual dollars of sales. Not as percentage of the business, but that's two two and a half X and three X in dollars. And but then started coming down. Hmm. Even as our overall sales were going up. Now again, it wasn't the dining room business that was generating it. What was generating more of the business was people having the comfort level to come into the restaurant, get Online with social distancing, place traditional orders at the counter, and take it to go. Mm-hmm. That was with the majority of the growth, and so we've so we've seen where the high the high tide is in terms of people's appetite for things like delivery and digital ordering. And at least at this point in time, you can see people will go with what their preference is, as long as they feel it's safe and they have a comfort level. Mm-hmm. And their preference is more to, to some degree. Or to go in and place a traditional order, the food's made, pressure, it's made, as, a, as opposed to managing the that, that interval of time between when they place an order and eventually get it, either through delivery or themselves picking it up. Uh, so there is a there's a preference among some people to do that. And now we're seeing that all sort of nestle into place. Mm-hmm. And then we are, adjust our operations accordingly, adjust the business model, and uh, and, and then stay in over. now we redirect our marketing efforts uh, and, and now grow those channels that we think the uh, the customer really has the greatest appetite for.
0: So they're coming in and ordering their food and taking it with them now instead of ordering it through digital channels, more likely.
1: Uh, correct. That's still the majority of the business. Wow. Oh. So uh, right now, and, and this is constantly moving, so we're, we're still no. in an I, I, evolutionary period. But uh, most recent week fifty six percent of our business was ordered at the cash register
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: forty 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 seven percent of it to take out nine percent of it to sit down and eat and that's mm-hmm. you know blended of course, we have parts of the system that still don't have any dining room service, so uh, that's just the blended uh total total number but even but even the restaurants that are offering the dining rooms they're it's not like they're doing outrageously high numbers they, the The customer's moderating that yeah uh, it, we were very fortunate that in our dining rooms we have as the norm all freestanding tables and chairs so we're able to take out the excess furniture reposition mm-hmm. so we could establish a really good uh safe distanced environment that also is aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. uh as about all the restaurants that have typically restaurants with cord-drilled seating immovable structures they're having to rope it off, do all sorts of things, and and all, which by the way, all that, well, I shouldn't say all of those, one of the things that does is create this continuous reminder about the problem we're dealing with, as opposed to being able to just walk into an environment that's spacious and safe, and Mm -hmm. uh, has a little less reminders, (laughs) not not that anybody's forgetting uh, what we're in, but then again, it it just has a little bit more air of uh, normalcy. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah, I I I think, uh, and I mean, they're sort of a necessary evil. But the sign of like, you know, you can't sit here because of the coronavirus is just not. It's just uh, a. Uh, I mean, what I know of customers sometimes is they'll just ignore it anyway. Um and uh, and and B, just uh, you know, as you said, it's sort of this reminder. To me, it seems like it's a it's a better situation if you can remove the chairs. Um, you know, just right. just better overall.
1: It looks like well, that when when you when you get and when you get the excess fixtures out, it's uh it especially well and especially in a facility like ours, getting some of the extra dining room fixtures out just gives you that much more space for the queuing area and the and the people keep the social distancing that they need as they're waiting in line. Mm-hmm. Uh if you're other types of concepts that have physical barriers, you have no you have much flexibility mm-hmm. in creating any of that. So, yeah. Uh, we lucked into that. We certainly never uh designed dining rooms in <laughs> anticipation of that. So hey, some I think for a lot of brands, uh, uh, some things in the current environment you you luck into uh by by the nature of your your menu, the design of the restaurants, et cetera. Uh, and, and that adds one area we were we were fortunate.
0: Yeah. And, you know, getting back to your, when you, when you mentioned that, uh, you know, most of your customers are coming in and ordering at the counter, I, to me, it it's, um, it, it, it makes sense if you think about it, because like, I, I mean, we're, we're just not doing anything, right? We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're sitting at home and of course I always sit at home because I worked from home before this, but you know, like most people are, you know, they're, they're working from home, they're you know, we're not, it's still not going to concerts. We're not going to sports games. We're not doing this or that or the other thing. And I think sometimes, and it, it, it's just a simple thing, but just going to the restaurant and picking up your food or ordering it is, is just sort of a break from the monotony. And, you, I mean, we've seen that a little bit. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was just a reporting on Dunkin' and Starbucks, um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, they both talk about how they're, they're getting more sales, for instance, in the late morning. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you you can kind of see that as like people are just saying, all right, it's it's time for me to take a break. I'm just going to run to Starbucks and get myself a cup of coffee or something like that. Um, You know, you just sort of want a break.
1: I I agree. And by the way, uh, we have had uh, uh, one thing we have seen in our uh, day part composition is some of the sales migrating off of the core. Twelve to one lunch hour because we're still a lunch-centric concept. We do mm-hmm. do traditionally we do more dinner sales than a typical sub shop because uh, hot subs and it really the nature of, nature of our menu uh, helps helps drive that. Um, but uh, the I, I think a couple things influence this. One is with so many people working from home, uh, they probably have in many instances greater flexibility on when they're taking lunch. Yeah. And so that's been a plus because it does stretch out the lunch business. Again, we're at record sales, but it's it, it stretched out a little bit more, more evenly uh, over a lunch period. And, and that may be some people, again, uh, wanting to go into what they view as off peak periods to try to lessen on the social, you know, help uh, improve on social distancing, trying to go when it's not as busy. So our snack period as a result, uh, we see more business move into that arena. Uh, in that two to five window. What has been a little bit of a surprise to me is that we didn't, I was anticipating more of a shift into dinner business. Mm-hmm. Because again, there's a lot less competition. Uh, the, the skew of closed restaurants are casual dining, which skew towards dinner business. And My business intuition in the early stages of this, uh, led me to think that we would probably see some disproportionate increase in dinner traffic. But that never materialized. Our ratio of uh, of lunch to dinner is uh, relatively unchanged. Again, the only mm-hmm. real movement is stretching out the lunch period a little bit. Well Some of that traffic moving into the snack period. Dinner has remained locked and loaded on the thirty percent of sales that it's
0: mm-hmm. always been. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I want to go back to the you know the last time you were on the podcast, we talked about your you know your 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 efforts towards. Um, more takeout because you know you've traditionally you were traditionally a dine-in business and then you've had to shift to takeout because that's where consumers are going and it seems to me that looking back at this now looking at how how you're you were able to to generate record sales during uh, a pandemic uh is that um you know those those efforts really really did you a lot of favors and and really helped prepare for this time because if i look at again, if I look at commonalities, one of the things that has worked so well during this pandemic is easy. The easier it is to access the food, you know, whether it's through a drive-through, whether it's going online through delivery or or for a mobile app or that sort of thing, the easier you could do this, you know, the better. And that's been a big, big win. And that would seem to me that that's probably the case with you guys is that you've, you know, you did all this work to make uh, all of this uh, stuff easier and, and uh, now it's working. Of course, now people are coming into your restaurant, but.
1: Yeah, no, with, without a doubt. And, and our rapid rescue program, our, our online ordering uh, is a great example of that. Um, you know, we got, uh, I mentioned it went up three X. So in late April at it's peak, we were, I think our highest week, we were 22, 23% of sales one through just so that's not inclusive of third-party digital orders that is just our own online ordering where the customer is walking in picking it up and taking and, and going i mean that so especially uh during the peak of let's say the, the covid concerns knowing that hey you were going to be three or four steps into the building and that's it And and you're taking that and uh and, and and on your way, there's a great comfort level and very easy in the ordering and the tendering. I mean, just to reinforce your point, so the fact that we had that in place uh, was critical. And compliments to our marketing team. You know, our uh, our normal advertising that was slated for the second quarter was beginning was scheduled to begin uh, the first week of April. Hmm. And we were i don't even recall the product promotion we were uh, going to have on at the time now uh it seems like ages ago but we quickly pivoted and changed our message uh to reinforce our rapid rescue and because what we needed to communicate was really simple two things number one we're open number two here's how you can use us yeah. and that's what that uh, those uh, commercials did yeah, well, and, I, and and it was tremendously uh, successful. Um, and again, went hand in hand with spiking that uh, spiking that traffic on their individual platform.
0: Yeah, the simple act of of telling people you're open seems to have also been a pretty big win. I, I think a lot of people are just confused, and I think about it myself. I'm like, you know, I'm like, if I want to go to a restaurant, I'm like, all right, what's open? and uh, the simple right. fact of communicating to people that you're open probably uh, did uh, some wonders as well, I would imagine. I
1: oh, am. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the earlier uh, point about uh, how challenging it is for concepts now. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it's already ingrained, I mean, everybody that's out, uh, people have been in the same rut of behavior out of necessity for going on five months. So mm-hmm. their traffic patterns was, was uh, in their consideration set. It's locked. It is locked and loaded. Mm-hmm. And now coming in and trying to disrupt that or trying to get in the mix in some way is is uh, very, it's got to be very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, not impossible. The restaurants are going to do it and they're, they're going to come back. But uh, so it is a uh, daunting challenge. And so it's, uh, you know, for us, we're, not that we've, we don't measure this, uh, but we're, it's safe to assume when we're doing record sales you know on a comp sales basis right now we're for now the last two months we're seven percent positive comp uh for both uh, june and july and uh people know we're open <laughs> yeah more 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 people are using us and we're using us the same time last year so so we we know we're over that hurdle of uh awareness well
0: wow. so um let's uh shift talking uh let's Talk about going forward. We've I've, there's a, a lot, an awful lot of talk on the part of, um, on on uh, a part of number of of, of restaurant operators and um, and executives that they they see opportunity going forward in real estate. I mean, are you seeing that? Uh, do you see that as as a potential opportunity for hire, Firehouse? And and uh, then how are you planning to take advantage of that? If so,
1: I, I definitely see it as an opportunity. So a little bit too early to see it manifesting itself, just because of the normal mm-hmm. development cycle. But already in discussions with our existing franchisees and our real estate team, and where they're starting to see it, I think it's going to be there. I think there's a key difference between what we're going to be dealing with in this arena compared to, let's say, the Great Recession. You know, in the recession of 2008 and nine, there were restaurant closures. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a resurgence of developments that came about after, um, you know, coming out of the recession. But when you think about real estate availability, the during the recession, the the weakest restaurants that, the, well, the ones that closed were the weakest. Mm-hmm. The best sites weren't the ones that closed in a recession. Mm-hmm. The best sites are the ones that continue to make it. Right. The environment we're in now is completely different. Because you can have a restaurant or other type of business that is on fantastic real estate, but their business model doesn't work
0: yeah.
1: during the pandemic or for the foreseeable future in the pandemic and they can't survive it. It's a totally different situation. So I anticipate unlike a normal recession, great real estate can come up and, um, and there, and there be, may well be a race for that. And we've already heard about what some brands have done, you know, I uh, saw the news on Chipotle and their mm-hmm. approach to it and so we're in the same camp, uh, you know, in terms of how we're looking at it. Uh Chipotle a brand like Chipotle being entirely company owned is in a unique position. Yeah. Uh to be able to take advantage of that. different than a franchise system in terms of how you can capitalize uh on that. So yeah. uh but I do expect those opportunities to be there for brands ready to do it. Because by my estimation, uh I uh I think if we're Certainly as we're, oh, well, let's say at this time next year in 2021, uh, I'm going to stick with my prediction that 15% of the restaurant industry will not have reopened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's going to create, assuming that there's fairly good freedom of travel and so on, I mean, for the operators, the people that are operating, that's, that's going to be good news. I don't wish anyone ill fortune, but... Hey, it's it's an industry that was oversaturated to begin with. Yes. And as long as demand, consumer demand rises back to pre-COVID levels with 15% less restaurants, obviously that's going to be healthier, uh, for, uh, for those uh, folks that are operating in, and especially if they've uh, concentrated on, on better real estate. So, uh, uh, where, uh, uh, you know, how much of the void starts to get filled by, brands or operators are well enough capitalized to step in and, you know, seize the better real estate. Uh, I haven't given enough thoughts in terms Mm -hmm. of how, how quickly that gap will be filled. Um, but, uh, but certainly for those with the capital and the sense of adventure, uh, (laughs) the opportunity is going to be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, um, uh, I, it's, uh, yeah, it's really going to be, you know, interesting to see how things are going forward, uh, how things go, uh, going forward. Um, I mean, I know in certain segments, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I mean, you brought up Chipotle, it's already some, some concepts are, 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 are already, you know, in, in the absolute, you know, in the, in the stages of trying to negotiate for existing sites, um, uh, that, that haven't even closed down yet, which, uh, which is extraordinary. Now. One question now: would, Does this make you more uh, or less likely at all to look at more drive-through sites in the future? I mean, do you see yourself g- going into the more, more of those uh, those types of places, or or would you be agnostic on that?
1: Yeah, we'll we'll look for we'll continue to look for more drive-through opportunities uh, or look for them at every turn. I I wouldn't uh, I don't see us pivoting the brand exclusively towards that as I think of at least one other brand decades ago that, that uh, did that, and it didn't work out so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see that. And especially because when I think about this environment that we're doing so well in our traditional real estate, now we do even better in the drive through locations. Sure. But um, so I think we'll continue to do them opportunistically. I think in this environment, we could have a lot more opportunities arise because even though drive through brands are the ones that are doing the best, it's still, they're still not immune Mm-hmm. uh from some uh closing off and and if so if anything, there will be more opportunities available for us in second generation space uh to to come in so um yeah you know, I think the key for a brand like ours when you when you think about the normal investment in a in a typical firehouse location um which our latest f b d average is about three hundred fifty thousand uh all in uh but you contrast that with a freestanding restaurant with mm-hmm. a drive through the investment level becomes much different. Yeah. And, in fact, you can have some scenarios where with the same capital that it takes to open one freestanding restaurant, an operator can open three traditional locations, yeah. <laughs> spreading the risk out. An operating cost, and in the end, it's about return on investment. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the main thing. So, so yes, it, it can. Get, it, there can be. Uh, it can be very alluring the idea of going for that. Uh, you know that that on the surface, higher performing, you, you know, higher average unit volume, uh, That that can look very advertising, uh, but I I am always conscious of as we as operators consider it is. You have to take a step back and think about what's the best use of your capital.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Where are you going to get the best return on investment And that can't be lost uh in the uh in the equation.
0: Right. And then um I suppose and then keep in mind that uh and I personally am convinced that the value of those drive through locations is gonna go through the roof because they there there are just not that many of them. Um uh, right. and um you have a a lot of companies, and you mentioned Chipotle is is, is is one of them that is looking at sites that they can put a drive through in, even though they have very different types of drive throughs. And you know, Chipotle has no debt and they're swimming in cash right now. So, um, and then you have Starbucks, they want to drive build more drive throughs, Duncan wants to build more drive throughs, and then of course, you got Wendy's and concepts like that that are developing. So, I mean, it would seem to me that the and it's not like uh, governments are all that eager to allow more drive throughs anyway. And then so you, you have all of that, uh you had all that and, and it would seem to make that the market for those particular sites a little bit more competitive, whereas, you know, the sites for your traditional locations not as competitive.
1: Right. Right. No, I would agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sir, this has uh, been fantastic. I really appreciate you joining us uh, again on the podcast this week.
1: Hi, right, thanks, Jonathan.
0: Before we go today, I'd like again to put in a plug for a new podcast we have at Restaurant Business called RB Daily. It's a daily three-minute podcast featuring myself and other editors running down the day's most important restaurant industry news. Check out RB Daily on RB Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, which, as always, was edited by Kimberly Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. You can find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else. I'm Jonathan Mays, the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business Magazine, your host and the podcast producer. Thank you for listening.